Scalpel. Scalpel. Hacksaw. Hacksaw. Uh, whoops. Glue. Glue. Finally. It's almost complete. Now all we need is the brain of a perfect podcast guest. Ooh, I think we ran out of those during the first run of High on Film. I meant to restock, but I just kept putting it off and off, and I guess I forgot. Okay, well, uh, let's write it down and post it on the fridge so everybody knows next time, please. We do have that one brain that's been in the freezer for a while. Might still be good. We got that right before we saw Terminator. Dark Fate? Salvation. Oh. Well, what choice do we have? Let's try it out. Now I know what it feels like to play God, like George Burns or Morgan Freeman or Atlantis Morissette. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! From Los Angeles, California, it's High on Film! Tonight, we've got Lizzie Donaldson at Frankenstein. Something is going to happen, I can feel it, on tonight's episode. Welcome to another exciting episode of High on Film. I'm Chris Maxwell, your host for another week. Welcome, welcome to the show. We're kicking off a Halloween double feature with the unrefuted classics, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. So excited to see these. I've actually never seen them front to back before in my entire life. So this is a new experience for me. Excited to lightly lampoon and talk about it with you all. But, before we go any further, please, meet the man right to my left. The podcaster of disaster and the Brad Davis that God gave us, my co-host and friend, Brad Davis. Hello, Chris. Hey, Brad. How's it going? Oh, going well, man. How are you? Doing great. Fantastic. In a spooky mood. A spooky mood. Mm. With a spooky movie. Uh, <laughs> one of the very first horror films, uh, as far as horror is considered a genre, and uh, would you know, they filmed a lot of this on the same sets as Young Frankenstein. Oh, I actually didn't know that. Oh, yeah. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's and vice versa, though, of course. Well, right. Yeah. I, no. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd never seen these before either. Never. Um, and I know we're talking about Frankenstein today, so I'll stick to that for now. Uh, it's pretty great. I think it's pretty damn good movie, especially for 31? 1931. 1931. Yeah, which reminds me. Today we're watching Frankenstein from 1931. <laughs> Directed by James Whale, written by Garrett Fort and Francis Edward Farrago. Adapted from the play by Peggy Webling. Based upon the comp uh, composition by John L. Balderston. From the novel by Mary Shelley. Uh, with Richard Scheyer and Robert Flory uh, and John Russell making uncredited contributions to the script. Well, they're credited now. They're credited now. <laughs> A lot of credits now. Well, uh, Richard Scheyer was the scenario editor. Uh, Robert Flory was the original director when this movie was supposed to be made with Bella Lugosi as the monster. Uh, and then they both left. Uh, or Lugosi didn't want to do it, so Flory left and uh, Whale took over. And uh, we got Karloff, and here we are. Frankenstein. <laughs> Brad, as always, we have a guest here to discuss this movie with us. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. 
Good. Yeah. Uh, it should be no surprise. Uh, for this Halloween double feature, we picked our most Halloween-y friend because of her, her birthday's <laughs> proximity to the holiday. She is a writer on Blackish, uh, a high on film vet, and a close personal friend of Brad and myself. Lizzie Donaldson returns. Oh my gosh, it's so good to be back. Uh, Lizzie, so good to have you back behind the mic. How you doing today? Oh, fantastic. Pretty Halloween-y, if I do say so myself. <laughs> yeah, so you're in a spooky mood. I'm in the mood. <laughs> well, uh, how'd you find this universal classic? I thought it was great. I was kind of surprised. It's really, really good. 1931? Yeah. Quality is fantastic. Yeah. Were you scared? No. Oh. No. No. Brad, you weren't scared at all? I think there's some good suspense moments in it, but was I personally scared? No. Yeah. Even though they started off with a little disclaimer. Right. Yeah. Don't right. Mr. Lemley wants you to know. This movie also, blasphemes and is a little scary. Love a verbal shout out to Lemley so that we all can just confirm that's how it's pronounced. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. It is. Yes. That's nice. The Lemleys of Universal Studios and the Lemley Theaters that... I guess might still exist after this COVID world. Call in. Let us know if they still exist. <laughs> yeah. Call in. Uh, mm. If there's mm. any Lemleys out there, please call our hotline. Yeah, please. The Lemley yeah. fam. Call the There's hotline. You know the number. Um, and while we're talking about that, actually, uh, just a fun fact, John Houston, director and actor John Houston, is said to have written that disclaimer at the top of the film. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he was a studio writer at the time and... Like, was hired to write, like... Yeah. Hey, we need a disclaimer for this movie. Can you whip something up real quick? Beware. Spooky. Yeah, this movie is spooky. Please beware. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little Uh, more of a Lugosi voice. Mm. You know what... Sounds a little Christopher Walken. (laughs) (laughs) You know what really startled me? Spooky behavior. Movie is spooky. (laughs) What, Lizzie? Sorry. Sorry. This movie startled me um, when Dr. Frankenstein called Igor Fritz. The fuck is that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. His name's not Igor? Yeah. Well, no, Igor doesn't appear until Bela Lugosi uh, portrays a character named Igor in Son of Frankenstein, the third movie in this franchise. That's crazy. Because yeah. that's like, that's that's the known one, right? Yeah. Well, get this. They further confuse things because Dwight Fry, the guy who plays Fritz, the Igor character, also plays Renfield in Dracula with Bela Lugosi, also fulfilling the Igor-like character who's not named Igor. But then Bela Lugosi will eventually play Igor in the third installment of the Frankenstein series. And man's got a niche. Yeah. And this movie also, I think we've already, we'll reference it here shortly. Yes. Um, But uh, it's Hank Frankenstein. Henry Frankenstein. Hank Frank. Not (laughs) Hank Frank. Hank Frank. (laughs) Not Victor Frankenstein. Henry Frankenstein. Which is the way it is in the book. Does it take place in Germany? I think so. I'm not positive. The but movie I, does? Yeah. I feel, like every, I feel like every once in a while someone says Frankenstein and then every once in a while someone says Frankenstein. Mm. And I'm just like, I think it's supposed to, but it were maybe yeah. just like generic Europe. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It was the 30s. It was all just Europe then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and one last thing before we really dig into the show that I found very interesting. Frankenstein is in the public domain in 2027. Oh, that's great. We're going to be seeing that in a lot more TV shows, folks. Yeah. Every Halloween episode on your network comedies is going to... Universal... Someone's going to fall asleep watching Frankenstein and have a nightmare. (laughs) Universal, get on the uh, dark universe and get your Frankenstein out there before the world is just polluted with more Frankenmen. They tried it before and it did not work out well. I saw The Mummy. It was fine. (laughs) 
you're the only person I think that thinks it's fine. That movie was panned across the board. Yeah, I mean, I feel is like Tom Cruise's mummy. The Tom yes. Cruise the mummy. Yeah, is that a Frank a Frankenstein? That's supposed to be the kickoff of the Dark Universe. Uh, oh. And then we were supposed to get like a Javier Bardem Frankenstein. Oh. Or he's in one of them. There was a Johnny Depp man. Invisible Man. It's like they're. It's like they're Russell Crowe, Doctor Jekyll, and Mister Hyde. They were doing their own Hotel Transylvania, but with people. Right, right. <laughs> yes, yes. A hotel Transylvania famously involves no people. <laughs> uh, I remember like human, like live ones. What yes, do they call that? Live yes. action. Live action. Live yes. action. I work yes. in Hollywood. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, let's get into uh, this movie. If you've never seen it, uh, if you just need it, if it's been a while, you need a brief reminder. We've prepared a little movie trailer for you, and here you go. In a world where life begins at electrocution, of course, one man has to play God. Herr Frankenstein was interested only in human life. First to destroy it, then recreate it. And like any insufferable genius, he couldn't be prouder of one thing. His insanity. Crazy am I. We'll see whether I'm crazy or not. And we do see as Dr. Frankenstein lingers around funerals and robs graves of body parts. But judge for yourself. We must find another brain. Adapted from the classic novel by Mary Shelley that calls him Victor, but then changes his name to Henry and adds another character named Victor just to confuse you. And don't forget about his Igor-like sidekick, Fritz. Fritz! Whose clumsiness sabotages the experiment, which would have otherwise worked perfectly. The brain that was stolen from my laboratory was a criminal brain. But that's never stopped a madman. At first I experimented only with dead animals, and then a human heart which I kept beating for three weeks. And he didn't stop there. Enter Boris Karloff as the monster, a role that would make his career and nearly cripple him for life. <laughs> After justifiably killing Fritz, he's on the loose. Will you play with me? They all float down here. You can lock your doors, you can hide your fiancé, but in the end, the monster will just climb through the bedroom window. <coughs> From Carl Lemley and Universal Studios comes a blasphemous terror that now plays pretty tame. Have you never wanted to do anything that was dangerous? Featuring a good cast worth repeating, Boris Karloff, Colin Clyde, May Clark, and attempting too much comic relief, Frederick Kerr as Frankenstein's father. A fine old lady, my grandmother. <laughs> Very foreseeing of her. This Halloween, reanimate your fear. The man who made a monster, Frankenstein.
I made him with these hands, and with these hands, I'll destroy him. Well, and now that we know just a little bit more about our movie, and now it's time for Trash Star Destroy. That's right, it's Trash Star Destroy. Uh, a veritable fuck, Mary kill of movies here on High On Film. We give you three movies of a similar ilk. Uh, and ask you to make the hard decisions. One, you must trash, which means it's eliminated from existence. One movie, uh, you get to star in, which means you can take whatever role you'd like to take for yourself. And of course, the third movie then must be destroyed, which means the only version that still exists today has been both written and directed by Mr. Michael Bay of Transformers Age of Extinction fame. So, the first category we'll do, first of two categories we'll do for the original Frankenstein, uh, is called Frankenstein's IP. Mmm. <laughs> Three movies. Del practice that. Delicious. Yummy. Intellectual property. Uh, so the three movies we'll do, uh, the movie we just watched, the original 31 Frankenstein. We'll do Kenneth Branagh's 1994 Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And uh, the 2014 flop, I, Frankenstein. Which was... Uh, little bit of a, I believe, part of the dark, uh, not dark, underworld universe. Oh. With Kate Beckinsale. Yes, Aaron Eckhart plays the titular Frankenstein right. monster. I think he's just claimed the name at this point. Mm. Must be nice. Yeah. Has he? Is that, he's just... Yeah, I think... He, I think taken it. Yeah, there's a lot of argument that sometimes, that you can just call the monster Frankenstein now. It's kind of like the, the backlash to the original, you know, it's... Frankenstein's the doctor, not the monster. Right. There's people who have pointed people hate out... hate that so much that yeah. they've just taken it for themselves. <laughs> people have actually pointed out instances where they call the monster Frankenstein in the movies. So they're like, see? We can call him Frankenstein. And I just think the extras are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Hard to say. But rest assured, we'll probably, at least once or twice, call the monster yeah, Frankenstein. Right. I think I've already done it. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, Trash Star Destroy, Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, I, Frankenstein. I will, I think I'm going to star in 31 Frankenstein. Um, As whom? I guess Henry? He gets some crazy fun lines to say in this movie. Dr. Hank. And who who plays Hitchcock? Uh, Colin Clive. It's actually pretty good. I, I really like. Good. He's really good in that role. Uh, but that's just too juicy of a role not to take. So I will take that role. I guess I'm giving Branagh's Frankenstein to Michael Bay. Branagh's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Branagh's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Now Branagh's Mary Michael Shelley's Bay's. Michael Bay's Frankenstein. Yeah. Featuring Kenneth Branagh. Featuring Kenneth Branagh. And Robert De Niro. De Niro as, as the monster. Yeah. I almost called him the monster Frankenstein. Right there. We just yeah. talked about it. I think that also works, though, as the monster Frankenstein. Sure. And <laughs> I will then trash I, Frankenstein. Oh, which to I didn't chagrin. see, but I feel pretty confident that that's fine. Yeah, I think we can all get along in the world without I, Frankenstein. I think a lot of studio heads would have liked this before they, this, this information before they made I, Frankenstein. 
<laughs> I agree. We're going to go ahead and trash that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're not going to do it. It's a bad idea. Okay. Isn't he like in a, the army or something? No, he's caught in a war between uh, two people, like angels and demons or something. Great. Already so happy with my choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds terrible. It, I feel like the movie would have worked a lot better if it were an underworld movie and they kind of just threw Frankenstein in there and used it as like a backdoor pilot rather than giving him his own movie right away if they actually wanted to connect these things. Um, but yeah, it, it was fine after a few drinks. <laughs> It was like The Rock and the Scorpion King. They should have yeah, done exactly. that first and exactly. then gave the own movie. Fine yeah. After a Few Drinks is quite the like critic's poll <laughs> yeah, yeah. quote on I the like cover. It. I like Aaron Eckhart enough that I'll watch him. You know, He's a good actor. Um, I'm going to trash I, Frankenstein. I'll name alone. I have not seen it, but title alone. What are we doing? It's, How are it we sounds doing real this? dumb. Yeah. Why is it I, Frankenstein? Because he's claiming the name for himself. I'm pretty oh. sure. Oh. It's the last cool. line, too. Spoiler, I believe the last line of the movie is like, and now the war is over, and I am left to travel the earth. I, Frankenstein. <laughs> awesome. Actually, now I want it to. It's, now I'm thinking it should go to Bay. It's something that dumb. But I mean, that's so Michael Bay. But I'm sticking with my original answer. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I'm sticking with it. This is new information. I should have done the homework. I really should have done the homework. Um, but based on the homework I did, also no one has seen all three of these movies. So if you're playing at home and you've seen them and you're not Chris Maxwell, please write to me, care of Chris at Chris's personal apartment. And I will send you $5. Wow, $5. Bucks. Wow. <laughs> Call in. Yeah. No, write in. in. Write in. You have, to write, you have to write in, and it has to arrive by tomorrow. Self-addressed stamped envelope also. Right, to Chris's personal address. Yeah, yeah. So you also have to have that information. Um, I will star in uh, Kenneth Branagh, 1994's Kenneth Branagh's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, <laughs> um, as uh, the monster, as Robert De Niro's character, the monster, because there's really nothing I wouldn't do to get next to Helena Bottom Carter, even if it's threatened mm. Kenneth Branagh's life, you know? Yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, right? Spoiler for how the movie turns out. You get to get pretty close to Helena Bottom Carter. Do I get close to her? Yeah, but you get even closer to Kenneth Branagh. You guys get to, like, roll around in oil. <laughs> yeah. I take what I can get. There's a lot of shitless <laughs> Kenneth Branagh in, the, in Kenneth Branagh's Mary That's Shelley's Frankenstein. not surprising. Yeah. It's disappointing, but I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It looks pretty good. I mean, I will say it makes sense why he has his shirt off for like eighty percent of the movie. From what 80%? I remember, eighty percent. It's probably not I can't, that. I doubt it. Bobby or Kenny? Kenny. Okay. <laughs> Bobby. Bobby is naked for the creation scene. That's fine for me too. That's fine. And he almost sees some monster dong. <laughs> it's like monster shadowing. dong. Monster wow, dong. Good for De Niro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's shadowy and it's in, it's like there's chains hanging around. Oh, God, they say on it. I was like, damn, that's a power dong. Well, you don't get to actually see if they stitched on another dong or not. (laughs) Because he is full of stitches, unlike Karloff's makeup. Right. Yeah. It's a smooth Frankenstein's monster. (laughs) Yes, it is. Um, Wow, I really didn't think we'd get to monster dong in this episode, but here we are. I'm so happy we made it. It's just your run-of-the-mill episode of High on Film. You know, we only started back a couple weeks ago, and boy, I'll tell you, it seems like we're right back where we left off. (laughs) Um, I, I think I'm going with Brad's uh, choices as well. I think I'm starring in Frankenstein, although I'm going to take Karloff's role. Because one, I'm a little younger than he was than when he filmed it, so maybe I can save him some medical trouble. Because the, the costume apparently did him some pretty, pretty bad damage. Uh, and then I get a whole career made, and I get to be one of the lasting movie monsters. He's, yeah, he's also the only one whose name is remembered from this movie. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. And on and on and on. I mean, he's in tons of movies after this because of this and because of 
next week's movie as well. I'm giving Michael Bay Kenneth Branagh's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein because, boy, there's just so much craziness in that movie, I can't resist it. The monster comes to life not from being electrocuted by lightning, but by being put in a tank with electric eels and coming alive. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it spills over, and that's when Branagh and De Niro wrestle in oil for a little bit. Like, it's like embryotic, embryotic fluid it's supposed to be, I guess. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Then they go into the snow, and it's a wild movie. Not very good from what I remember. And yeah, trashing I Frankenstein. Sorry, Aaron Eckhart. Thank you for stopping by. All right, guys, we have time for one more Trash Star Destroy, and that's going to be a co- uh, category called Character Building. Three movies where they build a character. So we'll do Ex Machina, where they build Ava. I see what you're doing. We'll do <laughs> Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, where they build evil, evil robot usses are built, and then they also build good robot usses. Um, and The Nightmare Before Christmas, Tim Burton, where the professor builds Sally. Not Tim Burton, it's another director. It is another Tim director. Produced. Right. Danny I always... Elfman. Tim Burton's piece. Danny Elfman's other director. Whoever the director Before Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> yes. So, Ex Machina, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and The Nightmare Before Christmas, Trash, Star, Destroy. That's... That's hard. That's hard. That is hard. Um, it's super tough. I think I'm tempted to star in Nightmare Before Christmas? Yeah. I, I, I yeah. Uh, and I guess I'd be Jack? Jack Skeleton. Jack Skeleton? Skellington. Skellington, Skellington yes. yes. That's right. The Pumpkin King. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Directed by Henry Selick. I thought you were going to sing oh. it. Henry, Henry Selick. Selick. <laughs> that was nice. That was nice. So, oh, of Coraline fame. That makes sense. That and James a, and the Giant Peach. That absolutely tracks. Yeah. Bogus Journey. Sorry, what was the other one? Bogus Journey. Ex Machina. Oh. Uh, I really like Ex Machina, though. I don't think I love it the way other people did. Oh. But the movie, it was kind of ruined for me a little bit. Uh, Brad, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah, sure. Just What's like, uh, no, just the second. What the fuck's wrong with you? It's <laughs> <laughs> great. It's great. It is great. I, I just don't think it's a masterpiece I, the way some people say it is. Yeah, no, yeah You didn't see it on the wave. Like, you saw it way after, right? Well, I saw <laughs> I watched it one night, fell, started it late, fell asleep during it. And woke up just in time for the finale. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> and then yeah. I and then I rewatched it One later. One of those classic, yeah. If you watch the ending first, right, it kind of maybe just messes it ruins up well the movie right for up. me. But it is great. The acting's great, uh, which makes me trash that, and then give Bogus Journey to Bay. Wow, how dare you? Um... <laughs> I don't even know which one you're how daring me for. <laughs> well, the Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, everyone knows it's one of my more favorite films, if you have a regular listener of the Keanu Review podcast. Uh, just plug that right here and now. Uh, and you should go back and listen to that episode and all their episodes. But that one in particular has a very special guest star. <laughs> me. It's, it's, oh, the, it's okay. Chris. Right. Yeah, it's Chris. That's the Keanu Review, <laughs> Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. <laughs> So you're starring in Bogus Journey, I assume. Here's and the twist. his own ad for that other episode of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's the twist. I don't think I can star in Bogus Journey. What? I just don't see a role for myself. Wow. I, I don't want to be Bill or Ted in the second installment. 
I would rather have been in the first one. I don't want to screw up the second one by being like, oh, now it's a new bill? Get out of here. I Pe- love this logic. Yes. People would hate that. Yeah. It's very I would hate that. Yeah. <laughs> I know you would. So, well, let's let's start with this. I'm starring in Ex Machina, and I'm taking Donald Gleason's part. Interesting. I thought yeah. maybe you'd go Isaac. No, he's so good in it, and I would rather, rather work. work with Oscar Isaac than Gleason. Although I very much like Gleason as well. And you get to work with Vikander then. Too, yeah. So closely, and she's so good in that. Yeah. Um, oh, so I think it's Michael Bay's Bill and Ted's bogus journey. So you just said, trash. "How dare you to me." When yeah. I say when I gave that to Bay, well, and then it, you went and did the exact same thing. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm shooting from the hip here. I'm okay. seeing that you're right. You know, okay. I, uh, you need all the information. I'm glad to see you're coming around. Yeah, I mean, because I, I was considering giving it to or Nightmare Before Christmas to Bay, but I don't think that's going to work out nearly as well as a movie with evil robot usses and aliens and rock and roll. That plays into his hands. More. Yeah, yeah. So Michael Bay's Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and then we're trashing The Nightmare Before Christmas. Sorry. Selnick. <laughs> Pick one. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Danny. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Danny Elfman. That really is a nice showcase for him. Yeah. And for me, because I'm going to star in it. Yeah, as, as Jack Skellington. I mean, the Pumpkin uh, King. Yes. You love that movie. I love that movie. It's, I mean, I do too. It's great. Yeah. It's It's... It's really good, and there's just there's no other role to take. Like it, that's the role, um, except um, the Oogie Boogie song is so great, so that would be a fun role too. That would be awesome. Um, <clears throat> I'm trashing Ex Machina, but for kind of the opposite reason that you are, I just don't want to fuck with it. Yeah, definitely don't the reason I yourself. definitely the reason don't. I trash it because I don't want Michael Bay touching it, yeah. and I'm not starring in it. So that was but, my reasoning. But that does make all of us sending Bill and Ted over to Michael Bay, which means I think we got to call Michael Bay about yeah, this. Yeah. We're all it agree. makes it so. <laughs> it makes it so. That's the rule of three. It makes it so. Yeah. Michael Bay just woke up to an email <laughs> saying, "Hey, you're gonna re you're redoing Bogus Journey." Wait. Face the music was such a success. We're redoing Bogus Journey. <laughs> Oh, it's signed by all three of them? I gotta do it. Yeah. Well, like I said, rock and roll, robots. Time travel. Is that a Michael Bay thing? He doesn't have time travel movies. Definitely. God, did they time travel in one of the Transformers movies? Maybe they didn't. I guess not. We cut to the past. I feel like there's phone booth scenes. There's definitely a phone booth scene in like the original Bad Boys. Even if if there's been no time traveling in Michael Bay movies... A, there probably will be soon, and B, it totally makes sense. Sure. <laughs> it you plays told right me that, if you told me that there was, I'd be like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course Michael Bay's on time travel. Of course. That'd be Bad Boys 4. All right, well, I wish we could time travel back and take away Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey from Michael Bay. Okay. <laughs> there it is. It's too late. We triple stamped that. We triple stamped it. <laughs> and sent an email. Yeah, that was an email. That was definitely an email. All right, and with that, we're taking a break. And we'll be right back with more Frankenstein and more Lizzie Donaldson and more High on Film after this. As a stay-at-home cinephile, I know it can be hard to find a good genre-bending movie. That's why I reach for Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Bud Abbott and Lou Costello are back, having prolonged interactions with both Dracula and the Wolfman. But Abbott and Costello have a slight acquaintance with Frankenstein, just isn't as snappy a title. Starring Bella Lugosi, Lon Chaney Jr., and Glenn Strange as Frankenstein's monster. But fear not, 
Abbott and Costello meet the killer Boris Karloff would be released the very next year. Jeepers, the Creepers are after somebody, and guess who? Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Alright Brad, it's time to start recording. Are you sure? It hasn't even seen a microphone yet. Trust me, it's ready. We designed it to be the perfect podcast guest. Okay, if you're sure. There it is. Sit, please. Come sit down around the podcast table. Sit. See, Brad, it understands. Dogs can sit too, they're not great podcast guests. Nonsense. Watch this. Tonight we watched Midnight Run. Creature, is this your favorite Robert De Niro performance? It did not like that. I mean, it's Goodfellas. Creature, Trash Star Destroy, Universal Monsters, Annie Hall, Chinatown, Ghost Dad. Chris, stop. He doesn't like it. Creature, give me your boardroom pitch for grumpy old men as an erotic thriller. For the love of God, stop. Can't you see it hates podcast games? And we're back, high on film. Lizzie Donaldson here to talk about 1931's Frankenstein. Or The Modern Prometheus. That's the subtitle of the book. Oh. Do we have to read the book? <laughs> no, we don't have to read the book. It's like The Modern Prometheus. Yeah. By Ridley Scott. <laughs> yeah, I was, that's what I was confused by. Like, it's Modern Prometheus, but that was made, you know, 80 years yeah. before it. Okay. Well, it's just Prometheus. Right. Yeah. Ridley Scott's Mary Shelley's Prometheus. Right. I saw it. Yeah. All right, guys. We're about to dig into this film. Let's get our let's get our blackened Franken claws out <laughs> to dig into this film. Of course, if it's not readily uh, obvious, we're an optimistic podcast. So we'll start things off optimistically with best scene. What's the best scene in Frankenstein? Of course, we'll do top three and bottom three once we get to uh, worst scene as well. So, top three best scenes in Frankenstein. Who wants to go first? I can go first. Hit it. Uh, okay. So, for me, I think the number three best scene in this movie is the first time we see the monster. Uh, when he enters the room backwards? That That is the only problem I have with this scene. Because <laughs> yeah. it's so, obviously, they're trying to like have this big reveal and he walks backwards. Yeah, literally like, how waiting to open the... the door. Yeah. Aside, but once we get past that point, um, I do think the reveal of the build up to the reveal of the monster is great. The makeup looks great. Like, he looks great for 31 in particular. Um, <clears throat> lost my breath there. Um, and it's the silence of just him walking through really is a nice, suspenseful moment, particularly because we now know that, you know, how. This monster is perceived, I guess. I guess everyone back then did too. The book, the book had been around for so long, and um, the reaching for the sky. Oh, with the light! Yeah. With the light, the light mm-hmm. is really a nice moment and nice, very the, the freedom of the outdoors and everything for this creature. The first time they've been created, I think, played very well. Yeah, 
Um, my number two. Well, I will. I just say I want to say yeah, yeah. with that that last the reveal when they when he finally does turn around towards the camera, they do the three jump cuts of the close ups of the Frankenstein's face, the monster's face, and it's really good. Like it seems like a really nice like you can hear like the nineteen thirty one audience being like ah like clutching their pearls and screaming, and it's just I think it's still very effective. I agree. I I really like that scene. I've seen this movie twice now, and the second time it really stuck with me more. And the first time, I think, because I was so thrown by the backwards walk into yeah. the room for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number two favorite scene is him with the little girl, the monster with the little girl, Maria, by the lake, and him having a friend for the first time, smiling really for the first time, and like having this really nice moment. Even though the suspense of him interacting with a child is scary. Then they look like friends, and you think, oh, this isn't going to work out terribly. And then it works out terribly. And it's a very... Sh- I can only imagine what people in 31 thought of that scene. Because still, did, like, that him killing that girl is a lot. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, there was an interesting... Well, it looked like they just did, like, this kind of visual... Tra- like, he turns around, and there was, like, to me, clearly no one in the water. But there's just, like, some generic kind of splashing, but there's no, like... You don't actually see anything... Uh, which I thought, of course, was done for a 1930s audience. But like, I think even the idea of seeing the girl drown, presumably, yeah, like, yeah, because yeah. the his her father's like carrying her at the end, yeah, right, which is a haunting image. Uh, him just carrying her through her body through the streets. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually so controversial they actually cut out Frankenstein actually throwing the girl into the lake. Yes, it's it now looks back weird. in. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Oh, because they like just nothing, just like yeah, because it was made pre-code. So he that. throws her in, but then they were like, uh, we're not showing that anymore, so right. it was cut out. But now when you rent it, obviously we saw Frankenstein pick her up and throw her in the water. You know, it looks so funny when he throws her in that I think it may be scarier if you just cut off of them and he's just carrying her body later. Yeah, yeah. You, just you just don't know like, what you happened. You just don't know what happened. That's yeah. true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, and I think the best scene of this movie is the whole sequence from when Victor, the doctor, and Elizabeth show up uh, at the lighthouse uh, and leading into his conversations with them. Is it Castle? Yeah, or? It's, a wind, it's a windmill. No, yeah. That's the end. You're talking about in the laboratory, no, right? Yeah. I thought that was like a lighthouse or something. No, I think his it's a castle. His dad calls it an old ruined windmill. And I wrote it down because he was... Where the lab is? He's, yeah, he's, he's wasting all this time in an old ruined windmill. Oh, yeah, right? okay. And you won't, like, he, you won't tell me what's wrong, but I know what's wrong. It's like, And then he's like, he's got another woman. And I wrote down, in an old ruined windmill? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> that means he's fucking? Like, yeah. <laughs> really swept her uh, off her feet. I'll double check. Yeah. yeah, I think it's supposed to be an old ruined windmill. I remember that line, when too. When he dies in the windmill at the end. I don't know if it's the same one. I don't think I don't, it is. That's not like, the same no, windmill. It can't be, because it's, yeah. But, yeah. He calls it an old ruined windmill. The, I remember the dad saying. I'm that. pretty sure we get some exterior shots of like the castle on the cliffs, though, don't we? Am I making that up? You might be thinking of the second movie. Okay, um, but I remember that line specifically. That's why I said it. Okay, it's, yeah, yeah, it's sure. Ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but Which, yeah, their entrance up until the creating of the monster and the it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. It's to me easily the best scene in this movie. All right, I'll take that. Lizzie? Yeah, I agree with Brad. The only, like, uh, the only thing I was, I actually had, like, three, my third favorite, the reveal, the interaction, and his, you know, his space work is great. <laughs> the monster. Um, but yeah, true. that reveal, it's great, and it's just wonderfully silent. 
um, in a movie that actually does really well with sound. I was impressed with really the sound. Good. And and when choosing not to use sound. Yeah, yeah. like really, really impressive. Um, and then I love the scene with the little girl. I think I would just sub out just, just to vary it up. The image of him carrying her through the whole town and, and how long that shot is and how we stay with it, I really like that too. So I would put that as my number two. And then one is definitely the It's Alive. Even though I've seen that clip, I haven't seen the movie before, but I'd seen that clip over and over again and it's still thrilling and he's so and like you but just the build up to it he's just a madman for the those moments it's great well worth being the or well deserved i guess as the the it's alive it's alive <laughs> and it's yeah, crazy yeah. how early in the movie that like for like what feels like a climax yeah almost, it's like 15 to 20 minutes yeah, into the movie yeah it starts everything off yeah gets the movie going with a bang for sure um yeah my three is actually the windmill fight at the end uh, between Frankenstein and the monster. Um, I just love the look of it. I like the look of inside the windmill. I like when they go out to the balcony and you get that stark uh, drop canvas background against it. And just the the lighting looks really cool. I love the long shot of the windmill just in complete flames. Uh, it just looks great. Number two for me is the opening, actually. The graveyard scene. Again, uh. The production design yeah, on this looks, looks so good with the, the canted angles of the cross, the fall, like falling crosses to the crazy haunting Grim Reaper statue that's in this graveyard for whatever reason. Um, and just setting it up, it's so macabre. And then you get them going from digging up the one grave to cutting down a guy, a murderer who was hung. It's mm -hmm. just so, such a great setup scene and it just looks fantastic. And I love... I love starting a movie off with a funeral, then digging the grave, and then two people just coming in and digging it up. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. In 31, that, I mean, now I'm like, wow, what a way to start a movie. Yeah, so yeah, it really is. Uh, and then, of course, yes, one is It's Alive, It's Alive. I want to comment on Colin Clive's performance in this. He plays a great, great madman. I love his, like, confessional explanation before he actually turns the machine on, where he's saying... Uh, how we got started, and then, like, I've become a god. Yeah. Like, it's just so now good. I know, now I know what it feels like to be a god. Yeah. As he explains himself to his fiance, his yeah. best friend, and his, like, former teacher. And they're all just like, okay, right. that's, uh, yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah, and then they rise the body up, and it actually moves. The Karloff hand rising is so good. And all, like, the lights and every, just the design of that whole room and everything they use with... with the machine's going, looks great. Yeah, which again, and that's a whole fabrication that the movie brought into the Frankenstein myth. Because in the book, they don't even explain how Dr. Frankenstein reanimates the monster. Oh! Yeah, it's like left to your imagination. Because like, it's apparently, I've never read it, but the book apparently is in first person from Dr. Frankenstein's point of view. And he says... You know, he's so regretful and shamed of his thing. He's like, I, I, it's, I did such a terrible thing. I'll never tell you how I did it. So then they came up with the movie to be like, all right, well, let's electrocute him and, and everything. So I thought that was very interesting. Uh, and it pays off in space. It's the, is the criminal brain thing in the book? Yes. It's just the electric... The, the how he got becomes it. alive, nobody knows. Got it, got you, it. you find out that he's assembled from, you know, mis mismatched pieces of people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, guys. Well, if there's a best scene, it must mean there's a worst scene. What's the worst scene? Bottom three worst scenes in Frankenstein. Might be a little tough because this is a very good movie. <laughs> very good movie. 
Somebody else want to go first? Uh, I mean, I was stretching for stuff. I guess number three for me might be... Number three, I'm going to say the end joke about Frankenstein's father's casual alcoholism. Where he's like, the maids bring Frankenstein. I, ha- I have that too. What are we doing? In like, his bed. They're like, you, he needs his grandmother, great-grandmother's wine. He's like, oh, yes, we'll give it to him. Pours a glass. You think he's going to give it to him. Then he shuts the door and he says, you know what? I'm going to drink it. He doesn't need it. Ha ha ha. End of movie. Truthfully for me, and I'll obviously get to it later. My number, uh, my number one worst scene in this movie is just that character. He feels oh, yeah. so... Father Frankenstein? Yes. yes. He feels so... Out of like out of the world in this is movie. Is he like an executive producer? Yeah. Like, All the old like, man like coughing and like laughing at his own jokes. He laughs after almost every line he has. It's just also unnecessary. It's, you don't need him. It, 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 he feels so out of place. And then when he's knocking on the door, like is that the front door? And he's like knocking on it with a cane, like open the door. He is uh, he is my number one. Worst he's got a hussy in that ruined windmill. Do you think there's anything to him being comic relief? To try to let the audience like breathe a little in between this, like of a thirty-one audience, obviously. That would be my guess. Is that's what their Going goal forward. was? Um, that's what their goal was with that, but it doesn't play for how this the rest of the tone of the rest of this movie. He feels so out of place. Okay, and it's super over the top. Yeah, like, it's not a good performance. Yeah, uh, number two for mine, uh, probably just uh, a weird little thing uh, is that. Maria's dad goes to the mayor or whoever and is like, they murdered my daughter. And while he's not wrong, someone did murder his daughter. There's no reason for him to jump to that conclusion where he leaves her home alone by their house by the river or whatever. And he comes home one day and finds she's drowned. Like, yeah. Wouldn't you think maybe your daughter just had an accident and fell into the river and drowned? Not someone came and threw her in. And And specifically... The monster. Yeah. Because suddenly everyone knows exactly... That this monster exists. this monster exists, and, and which is brings me around to one of my least favorite scenes is a missing scene, which is, why aren't you making sure the monster is dead? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, they just, like, drug him? Like, that's supposed oh, to be when a lethal when dose? Oh, in the lab? Yeah. And yeah. then they just walk away? Well, I think that was... Uh, so, Dr. Frankenstein's mentor, the teacher, who goes, yeah. you go to the fiancé's house and your dad's house and rest up. And then he goes, I'll make sure he's um, put to sleep peacefully or whatever. And, they, and he's even plan. writing, saying he needs larger and larger doses, um, and I'm going to kill him, but I'm going to begin the dissection soon. So, he's about to dis- dissect the monster when suddenly the sedatives are wearing off and he wakes up and kills the doctor and then frees yeah. himself. Yeah. He's got to be pumping that... That oh, guy just, sedatives. It's a bad I, move. I just, just kill him. Well, it's a classic. <laughs> he's, he's made of dead, dead bodies. Yeah. Just, just re-dead him. Come on, classic horror movie trope. Yeah, no, like, I one know. more thing and then we'll finally kill the monster. One more yeah. thing. And I think my, I think my number one we're seeing is that Fritz, I, I wish they had a better scare for Fritz when he drops the healthy brain. Yeah, I wish that too. It doesn't even break. He gets a little scared at the skeleton and then no, doesn't. something just falls in the distance and that's when he drops it. Now it probably ruins the brain. Maybe the glass, you know, cuts it or, you know, gets smushed, yeah. dented. I don't know. I do love that maybe this all would have been fine if they just had a non-criminal brain. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
If Fritz does his job and gets the real brain and transports it the safely only to problem. Dr. Frankenstein. And I, I love that it said abnormal brain, and I was like, ooh, I wonder if it's just like a brain, like, what's wrong with it, you know, specifically? And they're like, oh, it's just the brain of a criminal. I'm like, well, that could still be a very good brain. <laughs> it might be fine. Yeah. But, you know, the doctor explains to the class that it has more creases in the frontal lobe or less creases in the frontal lobe or something. And it says, feel free to examine after class and not a single person stops to look at the brain. They won't do good on the test. Yeah, they're not going to do well. Uh, Those are my three. Guys, do you have any holes to fill in with your bottom three? I've got one, which is the scene right after the huge It's Alive sequence where the fiancé and... uh, Mentor? That's who's there? Yeah, the doctor is the mentor yeah. and Victor is his friend. Vi- right, are all there. And they witness him do this and they witness exactly what's happening. And then they go tell the dad, they're like, he's doing great. <laughs> <laughs> you would be so proud of him. <laughs> Man, like, no, we were worried too. Trust, we were worried. And then we saw his work. Uh, mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> like, what? And it was, it's such an abrupt cut to that scene where they're just like suddenly, you know, it's this, this huge storm in this old ruined windmill that looks kind of like a castle, I guess. And, like, it's alive, this huge thing, and then cut to, they're just on a couch like, oh, boy, that was great. Like, don't worry about them. You know, it was just such a weird tone shift and such a weird reaction to watching your friend, clearly nuts, bring someone to life and then, like, tell their tell his dad that he's got nothing to worry about. Yeah. Well, in all fairness, still kind of an accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> right. Listen... <laughs> No doubt, real cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very impressive. Still problematic. It's, wor- yeah, it's yeah. worrying. Right. Yeah. He says a lot of stuff in there that would definitely have me asking some questions. Sure. <laughs> of course. But then it also works, and you're like, well, that's pretty crazy. Right. Well, he, yeah. Yeah. I'd, still, I'd be concerned. I'm not saying don't be concerned. Yes. I'm just saying there's, I can understand some, like, you know, you're impressed. Right. Brought something to life. That's <laughs> I'm concerned, but I'm still like, wow, we actually did it. Like yeah. I get it. I agree with that. Yeah. Brad? Uh yeah, my my number three was also Fritz dropping the brain and that random noise. I, I wish we would have had some a noise that actually existed in the room, even if like the skeleton falls off the, the something that's actually we see, and it's just not some random noise in the background. Um Number one, my number one was the was the old man who's terrible. So my only other thing is number two, which is the back to back scenes of Fritz sticking the torch in the monster's face, yeah. even after Frankenstein said like get the torch away from him, and he's just sitting there like what? putting it in his face, and then after that he's whipping him with a or he's he's whipping him with a whip and swinging the torch at him again with. I mean, obviously, he's just being cruel, and yeah, he's yeah. afraid of the monster, but... He's jealous. I, I get, there's no reason for it. Like, there's, they don't justify it in any way, particularly, like, Fritz is involved with Frankenstein, and they're trying yeah. to build this creature together. It would be one if, if he were provoked. It, it comes out of, like, there's no reason for it. Yeah. And, he, and there's no sign of his hatred for this monster, or the fear of this at all. Mm-hmm. He's all on board for this. So that fact makes it feel... Kind of out of the blue that he treats it so terribly. What's his motivation? You know? Exactly. His motivation? Well, I feel like it's a little like Sid from Toy Story. Like he's just cruel at heart. So even though he's making these toys and stuff, uh, he's still torturing them and like blowing them up. I feel like Fritz is is the same way. Um, but we've seen no signs of that prior to that. There's they've they've built that up in no way, and sure. it's not explained why. And we don't see anything other than that. It's not. It's a nitpicky thing. Because this movie is mostly 
yeah. find stuff I have to nitpick, but it just didn't feel motivated by anything. Yeah, I mean, I think it's supposed to be motivated by the, you know, the, the othering of Fritz. Like, he's a hunchback, he's like a little bit of a simpleton, so they're like, oh, he's also just cruel, and I think you're supposed to just lump that in together because it's 1931. Right, I mean, um, obviously problematic, but yeah, it, it just yeah. stuck out to me. I know sure. I just advocated for mercilessly and like just emotionlessly, emotionlessly killing the monster, but what Fritz did was too far. Uh, he he <laughs> stepped too far. For stepped too well, he's far the one that pushed him over the edge. Yeah. I mean, we could argue about the brain being like a criminal brain and all that, yeah. but maybe it's just because Fritz was such a dickhead. If he wouldn't have been that way, maybe the monster would have been fine. Yeah. You know who would have been great um, as an assistant is Igor. Igor. Yeah. That's where you're missing you know? Igor. That's where Absolutely. Really missing Igor. Absolutely. From Aladdin. <laughs> right. Igor from Aladdin. Igor right. from right. Aladdin. Yes. Gotcha. All right, guys. Well, that's some good scene work. I'm glad we built uh, built that up because now we're going to have to really have a little fun with this movie. It's time for Milkin' It, our famous podcast game where we're each going to get a number of cards from the big computer of Hollywood Ideas 2000. A number of cards, exactly two cards. One, which will give us what kind of pitch we will be doing as we attempt to reshape this movie into a brand new film using certain parameters. The pitch cards, which will allow us our time, whether it's an elevator pitch, a water cooler pitch, or a boardroom pitch, supplying us with 30 seconds, 60 seconds, or 90 seconds to get out your film, uh, and your genre card, uh, or actor or director card, I should say, uh, which will give you a new way to look at the film, Frankenstein. Reimagine it, twist, turn, play with the elements of it to make it into a brand new movie. Your title and your pitch will be due uh, in just a minute. Let's see what the big computer has for us. <laughs> All right, Brad, what did it give you? All right, I got a water cooler pitch, so that means I have one minute to pitch. One American minute. And I got a cartoon, traditional or not traditional, parentheses, untraditional. Untraditional. <laughs> yeah. Untraditional. <laughs> I mean, the computer is very specific. It, it's got to be specific. very specific. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So, Just yeah. any kind of cartoon you would like. Uh, one minute pitch. Yes, yes. Ready. Pitch. Not ready, but I will do it. There you go. Lizzie, what did the computer give you? I've got a boardroom pitch. Ooh, yeah. the executive suite. Yes, which is great because I did wear my suit. Oh, good. And Perfect. I was starting to feel silly. I thought this was TV. <laughs> we misled you. You've yeah, never been no. on before, so yeah, you were misled. Bad. But feeling confident about my dress code now. And I also have... Um, Sylvester Stallone signing on. Yeah. Wow. One of the character cards. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so a new uh, a new element to this game. Uh, the character card, uh, you can do whatever you want, but this, Sylvester Stallone in your case, your actor will have to be the central character, although he can be whatever character you'd like him to portray. Okay. He does that, but the movie will have to center He's around He's tied him. to my project. Yes, Got exactly. All right. uh, and that leaves me with uh, the elevator pitch. A mere 30 seconds to get out uh, Frankenstein reimagined. As a courtroom drama. Oh, ah. yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, I, yeah, I can see that. 
All right, we're going to take a minute and gather our thoughts, and we'll be right back. All right, here we go. Uh, we'll start with me with the elevator pitch. 30 seconds on the clock, please, for me to give you my courtroom drama. Courtroom drama. All right, Chris, in three, two, one. All right, we all know that Dr. Frankenstein has created a monster and instilled it with life. But what if, when it proved to be uncontrollable and murdered his assistant Fritz, the doctor and the monster are put on trial? Now a jury must determine if the monster has any right to life, or if the electrons ra firing randomly across its previously dead tissue of a brain are simply that. Dead tissue and electricity. Life and death hang in the balance in Mary Shelley's To Kill a Frankenstein. Good. Excellent. Thanks. Under 30 seconds, too. Yeah, well thank done. You, thank you. Well done. Yeah. To Kill a Frankenstein's good. Thank yeah. you. That's a good name. Uh, Much better than the name of mine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we get to hear your uh, your name up next, Brad. You got the water cooler pitch, right? Uh, yes, I do. All right, you're getting one American minute on the clock. One American minute. In three, two, one. The monster has got a bad rap. Everyone is scared of him just because he killed Fritz, who was torturing him, and he totally deserved it. So he's been hiding out in this windmill now where nobody knows where he is, basically living alone uh, away from society. Um, and one day, uh, a lonely kid with no friends named Frank Stein is wandering through the forest and stumbles upon the monster in the windmill. Uh, and even though he's heard the myths of the monster uh, being scary... Um, he knows what it's like to be ostracized too. And they bond over not really having anybody. So the kid starts going there more often and hanging with his friend and his parents get wind of it and follow him there one day and realize the monster has been there. Tell, they tell the town that and they all come to kill him. The windmill, they're burning the windmill to the ground and Frankenstein has actually escaped, realizes the kid's still inside, goes in and saves him and then everyone realizes he's actually a nice monster. In... Frank's first friend. Oh. Cute. That is cute. Thanks. Despite keeping the murders and the burning down of the windmill, it's uh, yeah. adorable. Thanks. <laughs> All right, Lizzie. Frank's first friend. Boy, yeah. I am so happy you got the boardroom pitch. Yeah? 90 seconds to hear Sylvester Stallone oh. in Frankenstein. I'm so lucky that he signed on. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. And away you go. Well, it goes without saying my Frankenstein takes place in Philly. Of course. Uh, so we're, we're centering around um, this, this, uh, this Frankenstein family, right? Uh, our, our lead character here is, is Hank Frank. Okay? He's kind of the black sheep. Like his parents, who are dead now, are both really famous scientists. They have, like, the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. Their school of science is named after Frankenstein. It's the Frankenstein School of Science, right? Wow. They have two kids. They got Hank and they have Victor. Now, Victor, brainiac, nominated for a Nobel Prize in Physics, like the star. Hank loves science, not so good with it. He balances chlorine levels for major hotel chains and cruise ships pools. <laughs> so... <laughs> Obviously, a little bit of sibling rivalry. He's like, yeah, and he's got a drinking problem to cover up this jealousy, right? So uh, one night, uh, one night, Victor wins the Nobel Prize. Like, he was nominated. He finally wins it. The brothers are out celebrating. They get into a fight because Hank is drunk and jealous. Hank kills Victor. Whoa! Whoa. Hank kills Victor. Feels a little remorseful and is br ends up bringing him back to life. 
as Frankenstein's monster. Now, I should mention that he, we do see him experimenting on animals and bringing squirrels back to life. Though He does, he does it with his brother. Uh, doesn't go well. Brother escapes. He flees to the lab that's in the Frankenstein school at the University of Pennsylvania. Fight breaks out. Uh, Hank chases him there. The lab burns down. Then the school burns down. And the brothers both die in the Frankenstein legacy. Oh, wow. very nice. That's oh, awesome. Uh, just contractually, um, Stallone, who does play Victor, who ends up being the monster, will have a monster dong. Monster oh, dong. That's, yeah. that's in the contract. Yeah. I, I, I would be remiss in the boardroom if I didn't mention that. Uh, I mean, you could, front, get, you could get sued for that. That's just money you need to set aside. Mm-hmm. For that monster yes. dong. That's true. So, I'm sorry, wait. Uh, so, let's just... Uh, Stallone plays Victor? Victor, the handsome... And- Smart, brainy, Nobel winning, Nobel winning yeah, scientist. Okay. Yes, who's then brought back to Did life. Did you as think a that he would be the the pool guy? You I, know, I, I was thought back and I forth. looked at him and I thought that guy, that guy knows physics. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I wasn't <laughs> sure because you know I, I assume that you're also casting Frank Stallone. As the brother, so I wasn't sure which brother Frank, played. Frank plays Hank Frank. Yeah, Frank <laughs> Frank Stallone plays Hank Frank. Yeah, and Sylvester Stallone Spel- plays Victor Stallone. Yeah, Psy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a science man. Yeah. Science Stallone. Love it, love it. <laughs> That's great. Great milk in it, guys. I think we just sold three movies. Woo! Yeah. There's another email. There's another email. <laughs> well, guys, that's the show. Oh, who won? Well, there's no winner anymore. We're all winners. Oh, yeah. wow. Did not notice. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice how you weren't keeping points anymore? I kept points. You, I did great points. <laughs> I ranked everyone. You made your own points. Oh, away. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, who won on your score sheet? Obviously, I won. Lizzie won. Congratulations, <laughs> Lizzie. Lizzie I'm not driving down from the valley to not win this. Um, you're, I mean, your milk in it would have gotten very high points. Oh, from true. Me. I will tell you that right you. now. With the old scoring system, for sure. Um, well, Lizzie Donaldson, you just watched Frankenstein and one high on film. What are you going to do next? Guys, I'm going to vote. Yes. Oh, what a good what are you going to do next? <laughs> That's Thank you. So Only much applicable for these next couple of Vote, and no matter what time, vote, vote in all of your local elections. They affect you more than the national elections. Please vote in the national election too, though. Dear God. Please. Um, I'm going to vote. And if you like want to learn a little bit more about voting, I work on a delightful show called Blackish, and we did release two elections. I work on a delightful show on Blackish, and we, we did two election special episodes um, that are a lot of fun about history of voting and the history of our country and I think you should check it out. It's on Hulu. Fantastic. Will do. Check it out on Hulu. Brad Davis, <laughs> you just watched Frankenstein Sorry. and are checking it out on Hulu. <laughs> what are you going to do next? I think I'm going to go watch some of the other old monster movie, Universal monster movies because I haven't really seen any of them. The Draculas, the Mummy movies, Invisible Man, Wolfman, yeah, Jack Cheney, Claude Rains, Bella Lugosi. And I just got Peacock Premium. So I think... Congratulations. Oh, thank you. It's a big step. Five bucks a month. Not a bad deal. Um, but there, I think a lot of them are on there. So if not all of them. So yeah, I'm going to check those out. There you go. Chris Maxwell, you just watched... Frankenstein. What are you going to do next? Well, I'll tell you, Brad. Uh, I'm going to sit down and watch The Bride of Frankenstein uh, for next week's show, first and foremost. Because that's what we're covering next week. Uh, and I'm also, I think I'm going to go revisit the You Must Remember This uh, Bella and Boris series. Mm-hmm. A podcast I can't recommend, recommend enough. Uh, old Hollywood stories, and there's a whole series on Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff and their relationship and, and lack of relationship and how the studios kind of treated them. Uh, it's fascinating, fascinating stuff. 
And watching this movie only whet my appetite to hear it again. Lizzie, thank you so much for being here. It was my pleasure. I had a great time. Oh, I'm so glad to hear it because you're coming back next week to do the sequel. Oh, great. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, people should follow you on Twitter. Yeah, why not? Uh, it's at Lizzie Donaldson. Lizzie, L-I-Z-Z-I-E, Donaldson. Like it sounds. Great. It'll be in the show notes if you uh, Okay, yeah. Like it's spelled out. when Chris types it. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully correctly. Yeah. Brad, thank you as always. My pleasure, buddy. Uh, at BDAlwaysGP on Twitter. Same on Instagram, though I don't do much there. Uh, so, yeah, find me on Twitter. All right. I'm at Cross Maxwell across all your social media platforms. That's Chris with an O in place of the I. And we'll see you next week for Bride of Frankenstein. And it'll be just about Halloween. That was more like Dracula, you know? That was yeah. very Dracula. Bride of Frankenstein. All right, now I'm Bob tuning Dylan? in. Bob Dylan? <laughs> Tune in next week for Bride of Frankenstein. Goodbye. Chris, we have to go find it, before it does something terrible. You're right. What have I done? The damage it could do... Uh, this could give us a bad name. And that affects listenership. Okay, if you were the monster and you were loose in the city, where would you go? Universal Studios in Hollywood, California! Which way do we go? Let's follow the mob. Like the Mafia? No, the group of people. Like the Mafia. I don't think we can get in with those guys. They were very clear about that. Not the Mafia! The torch-bearing angry herd that's headed towards Transformers The Ride 3D! Oh man. Do you think while we're over there we could go on the Jurassic World ride? Or do you think with all these people the lines are going to be crazy? I say we figure out the whole monster thing, and we'll see if we have time. We should probably get these people under control before they and they burn down the ride. And the monster? Was it inside? I'm afraid so. I don't weep for Transformers the Ride 3D. I weep for that creature I forced into our world. Podcasting isn't for everyone, I know that now. Like the fair Icarus, I've learned my lesson. So this means we have time to do Jurassic World, the studio tour... Oh, uh, the Simpsons ride? Yes, we can do the Simpsons ride. Come on, don't say it like that. It's really fun. Just end the episode. High on Film is a Maxwell Davis Productions podcast. Original music by Zach Pfeiffer. For more information, follow at High on Film on Twitter and Instagram, or email the show at thehighonfilmshow at gmail.com.